0: Uh, Tom Chapman uh, was his full name, and and Tom uh, had a had a nickname. Now, I, I'm going to be honest. We rarely, or hardly ever, uh, did anyone call him this nickname to his face. So it's one of those nicknames that that it was kind of derogatory. Maybe you've uh, have one of those. Maybe you've called someone one of those nicknames. Now. Now his nickname is, it's not going to be what you might think or for the reason you might think, so I'll explain. But his nickname that, that people sometimes call him behind his back was Twinkle Toes. Now it's because he ran on his tiptoes when he ran. Now Tom was a great athlete, actually, uh, his, his whole family was, but, but he ran on his toes. He, he looked like a deer running down the, the court or something and it just looked kind of, of funny. So, so, one day, I, I, I remember in particular, we played, uh, played basketball and baseball with Tom. He was my brother's age, a couple years older than me. But, uh, but I'd played baseball with him. I'd played basketball with him. Uh, we had played at each other's, uh, houses many times. And I remember this one time, we were at our house and we were in the, uh, in the driveway of our house, uh, playing basketball. The, we had a hoop attached, barely hanging on, but attached to the garage and, and and my brother Rick and I were on one team, and Tom and my cousin Benny were on the other team, and and we were playing along. And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but a dispute arose uh, during the game. And as often does when you know kids are playing, a, a dispute, you know, a, a a question came up. Maybe maybe Tom thought he got fouled, and my brother said, "No, I didn't foul you, Tom. That was clean." And and back and forth, back and forth, and. Finally, Tom said this. He picked up the basketball and he says, Well, I'm going to take my basketball and go home. Uh, now the problem with that was Tom had a real nice basketball and Rick and I had a couple old basketball. One was flat and the other one was so slick you could hardly shoot it. And, and so that was going to be a a problem. But Tom picked up his basketball and said, I'm going home. And as he as he walked down the driveway my brother hollered at him well you just go home you just go ahead and take your ball and go home we don't need your ball anyway and i'm thinking well actually we do rick but uh um uh, but whatever tom turned around and and he said well i will and you're going to be sorry that you don't have my basketball my basketball so much better than yours and then rick said now he shouldn't have done this he shouldn't have said this but but Rick said, well, you just go ahead and go home. You know what he said, don't you? Just go ahead and go home, twinkle toes. And Tom turned around. His face was red. His eyes were bugging out. And, and he said, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to tell my dad, and my dad's going to come down here, and you know what he said next? beat up your dad. I, I don't know if anyone, I don't know if people say that now, but when we were kids, we used to commit our dads to fights all the time. And and, and he's, I'm going to take my, I'm going to tell my he's going to come down here and beat your dad up. And, and we both, now I jumped in uh, at this time, I, I I jumped in, and we we went back and forth, like, your dad can't beat our dad. Our dad will thump your dad. And Tom's like, my dad will beat. And we went back and forth for a while, and then I think it finally sunk into Tom. Maybe he, reality kind of hit him that he realized you know what? His dad really couldn't beat my dad up because his dad, his dad was a little short guy. Let me do it up here because that's too, he was a little short. Well, maybe a little short guy. Uh, his name was Chatty. Uh, Chatty Chat. I really don't know what his name was. His wife called him Junior. So he was a junior for something, but, but Chatty. And I don't know if he had had an accident, if he was born this way, but Chatty, and I'm not making fun of him. It's just the reality. Chatty went through his whole life like this. His head was bent over to the side like that and and he was just a strong little, and my my dad would have thumped him now, actually, my dad would have just laughed, and they would have talked it out, and it had been no big deal but but Tom realized I think somewhere in there that ah, you know what, maybe my dad won't be able to beat your dad up, so he said this he said, "Well, my dad's a better referee than your dad now he'd crossed the line <laughs> my my brother Rick. Took off running after him, and Tom turned and hightailed it uh, on his tiptoes. Hightailed it back across the tracks to the other side of town. Uh, the The funny thing is, the reason we were arguing was because we didn't have a referee. No one was no one's acting af, uh, uh, as the referee to uh, to to uh, decide the dispute, to figure out uh, things, and, and make sure they worked well. Did you know? I don't know if you caught this. Hopefully, over the last several weeks, you've been uh, been reading the book of Colossians. If you haven't, it's not too late. We'll be in it a couple more weeks. Uh, four short chapters. I'd encourage you just to sit down, and, and in about 10, 15 minutes, you can read the whole whole book. But if you've been reading it along with me, I, I, I hope that you've seen that, that Paul says in, in the book of Colossians that Jesus is our referee. Did you catch that? Have any of you seen that? Maybe maybe you're thinking, um, I don't remember exactly where that verse is, but I think I know where it is. So, so I'm going to share that verse with you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're just going to look at verses 15 to 17. And actually, we're going to look at those verses today and again next Sunday. So we have three points. We'll look at one of them today and two of them uh, next week. Colossians chapter 3, 15 to 17. Now, notice where he says that Jesus is our referee. And the Father through Him. Did you see it there in the text where it said that Jesus is a referee? Well, maybe you didn't, but uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna forge on ahead. So 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 here's the point. This one. We're just gonna look at one today, uh, and and a couple subpoints underneath. But first of all, let the peace of Christ referee. The Greek word, uh, and, and you might have figured it out the, the Greek word for rule uh, in verse fifteen, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The Greek word for rule is barbe a a o and it means to umpire uh it's its origin that this greek word's origin was in the area of sports now now not in the thought of a of a guy with a striped shirt on but it probably was a uh, a guy that was monitoring a wrestling match or maybe a a foot race and it was a uh, an official that was watching to make sure everything was done correctly and done fairly and no one got out of the lines or, or anything l- like that. Now, now let me address the obvious issue. So, so for some of you, when the thought or the idea of a, a referee comes to your mind, it does not conjure up good thoughts. Uh, uh, s- some of you, uh, as coaches and as parents have Yelled at referees. Just anyone want to admit to that? Anyone want to admit to that? <laughs> you haven't though. You're pointing at your husband. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, as a coach and as a parent, my hand was up too. So, uh, so, so I, I, I would encourage you. I would encourage you to kind of take that and put it to a side. See, I referee basketball for 25 years. Uh, Dave, you referee basketball for a number of years as well. As a referee, we got called everything from idiot to blind to stupid. Do you need new glasses? And sometimes I'm like, yeah, will you buy them for me? I'd love to have a new set of glasses. We we got called everything. You're a homer. Uh, so, so if you have a negative connotation, never you thought of referee, I'm going to ask you to just release that, kind of take a deep cleansing breath and let it go for just a second and realize that a referee is there to make things run smoothly. So what... Paul is trying to get the church at Colossae to understand, and, and then consequently us as well, is to grab a hold of what it means to be, to have Christ as our referee. There, there are two things that he wants us to gravitate to that we're going to look at, two things that he wants us to know uh and, and be assured of in this text, two things that he wants us to believe in and trust, and here's the first one, there is, there is. What he, what he is saying is that there is peace with Christ. Verse fifteen: Let the peace of Christ rule or referee in your lives. Two 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 realities is the first there is no matter what the situation, no no matter what your dynamic is, what's what what's going on in your life or what you're dealing with. The pre the peace of Christ can be there to. To, to intercede, to referee, and make sure our lives, our interactions, our testimonies are done the right way. Let the peace of Christ, let his peace watch over everything that is in our life. So when we invite Christ into our lives, one of the things we get is peace. Now, let me look at a couple verses. Um, do you remember what Isaiah said? Now, this is a Christmas verse. We usually... Read this in December, but in Isaiah chapter nine verse six, it says, "For us, for to us a child is born; to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." John fourteen, verses twenty six and twenty seven. Jesus is talking it's literally the night before he is to be crucified. And he's talking to his disciples, and he says this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said you. Now, notice what he says next. He could have said a ton of different things, but notice what he says next. Peace I leave with you, my peace I do. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Galatians chapter 5. 22 and 23, Paul lists a group of, of fruit that we're to have when we believe in Jesus, when, when His Holy Spirit comes in our life, and he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It is a powerful statement a meaningful promise when we understand that the peace of Jesus can be present in our life. It can be a part of, a, of our life. And, and the peace of Christ doesn't necessarily mean that our lives will be without conflict. In, in fact, Jesus tells us, we'll look at a verse later that will tell us, Jesus tells us that we're still going to have struggles in this world. But what he's saying is there is peace in spite of the troubles uh, uh, in, uh, in, in our world. Now, there are three scenarios, and we'll look at these three scenarios where his peace needs to interact with us, three areas that his peace needs to reign. Here's the first one. It needs to reign with each other. Uh, if you're still looking there in Colossians 3, notice what he says in the last half of the verse, 15. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. Uh, we are called we are called to have peace. We are promised that there is peace. It's available in our interactions with each other. Now, now I think a starting point, initially what he's saying here is it should happen in the church. Now, obviously it should happen in other parts of our lives and other relationships as well. But I think specifically here, he's he's aiming at the church. Now, don't forget the context of this book. It was written... To the church that was in the middle of conflict. I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of disunity, a lot of discord, because in that church there were three groups. There were people who were teaching false doctrine. There were people who were being misled by false doctrine, and there were people who were resisting that false doctrine. So Paul writes this letter to refute the false teachers, to straighten out the misled, and to encourage those who are holding on to the truth. Now let me make an observation. Uh let me make a uh, an application for for us here. Every time uh this may not be easy to hear but uh, but it's reality it's truth. Every time there's conflict in church. Every time a church goes through a a, a series of conflict. Now, now not just not just working through issues and but but really, conflict. There are these three elements there. There's false teachers. Now now most time our conflict isn't someone teaching something that is anti God. It rarely does it come up that someone comes up some weird philosophy like what's going on in Colossae and, and begins to teach that. Usually usually it's 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 opinions and and it's attitudes and stuff like that. But but when we take our eyes off Jesus, and that's usually what happens in conflict in the church, someone or a group of someone's will take their eyes off Jesus and it's more about them than it is Christ. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, that literally is false teaching. And, and they'll be the misled. there will be people, when conflict comes up, there's always people that follow the ones with the false teaching, the ones that got upset and I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna race Cain, here we're going to cause problems. And there's, there's ones that follow along, and then there's truth seekers, those that are simply trying to put the focus back on Jesus. So, so, so for for TCC, one of the things we need here's how we apply this: we need to look back over times we've had conflict. Now, I, I'm only pointing out TCC because uh, I'm, I'm here right now. This is our church. I, I could have said uh, Central Christian Church. Or I could have said uh, uh, Wood Rushville Christian Church. I could have could have talked about my home church back in Illinois that I grew up with, Woodlawn Christian Church. I I could have said any of those three, and they would have all been accurate because they've all gone through conflict. the The reality is, we need to look back over our episodes of conflict, our times where we lost our focus, and and ask a couple questions. First of all, ask, ask yourself, which group are you in? Were, were you the one causing the problem? Or were you just kind of following along? Or were you saying, come on, guys, let's get back on Jesus. Let's let's work this out, but get our eyes back on Jesus. See, when we look back, we can figure out how we could have handled it better. Which, what that does is then prepare us. It gives us a blueprint of how to handle it in the future. Because the reality is, we will have future conflicts there's going to be things that'll come up somewhere down the road. I hope it's it's after I'm long and gone, but it could be next month. It could be next year. There'll be a conflict and and that's okay. It's all right to have conflict, but how are we going to handle? Are we going to in the midst of the conflict keep our peace let the peace of Christ referee that as we keep our eyes on him. See when we're willing to let his uh to let the peace of Christ rule, he is our referee. Romans chapter 12, 17 and 18 says this. He says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 14, 19, later on, says, Let us therefore make every effort. He's talking to the church here. This is church people he's talking to. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and a mutual edification. The church is made up of people, and when we interact with each other, we're going to have conflict. That's okay. Just let the peace of Christ let it be uh, our referee. So, so there there is peace with each other. There's also peace with ourselves. It, it's a whole lot easier to have peace with each other if we have peace with ourselves. John 16.33, I referenced this a little bit ago. Uh, 16.33 says this, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. We're going to have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In Philippians 4, 4 4-7, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We can have peace with ourselves. There is, when we know Jesus, there is peace internally. Uh, Recent studies have have shown that our nation, I, I don't think this will... Come as a shock that our nation is increasingly getting more and more unhappy, having less and less peace. A study by Gene Twins of San Diego State University says that when, when, uh, when smartphones came out 10, 11, 12 years ago, whatever it was, was ever since smartphones, the, the satisfaction with life, happiness in teenagers has every year got less and less and less. The more we're connected, in, on social media, the less we are happy with ourselves and our lives. The L.A. Times uh, reported in in a roughly that same period from 2008 to 2018 that adult satisfaction with life has dropped 6% every year during that period. You, you don't have to watch the news very much. You don't have to scroll through Facebook or Twitter to realize that there's not much peace in this world. I remember watching last summer, um, I finally, uh, upon my wife's advice, had to stop watching, had to turn the TV off because my piece was getting, was getting uh, forfeited uh, by doing this. But I remember watching the riots that, that flared up all over our nation. And I remember watching people, good people that were simply marching for, for change and had perfect motivation and understanding and, but, but so many other people that, that were screaming and yelling and cussing. I, I remember watching groups stand at, at, at a line of police officers and just in their face yelling and screaming at the top of their lungs. They, they were supposedly unhappy with society or unhappy with the police or unhappy with our country, but I, but, I tell you what, I looked at them and I thought at their very root, they probably were unhappy with themselves. Uh, During that time, I remember seeing a number of people put some type of generic post out there on Facebook and it would be a picture of these rioters and they'd say, well, what they need is Jesus. Now, Now, that's kind of cliche, but actually, they were right. See, we can stand up for justice, whatever that means. You can define that yourself. We can stand up for change and we should. We can stand up for those who are treated unjustly and still have peace. Jesus' ministry was about those things, standing up for those that needed someone to stand in the gap for them, and he did so with peace. So so we can have peace. There is peace with each other, there's peace with ourselves and and there's peace with God. I guess this really should be first because when this happens, it makes it easier for the others. Romans 5 1 says, therefore since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 29 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. In Isaiah 26 3, you keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. We can have peace with God, see, see, see. There is peace. There's, there's peace that is there with each other, with ourselves, and with God. So let's look at, at, at the second thing, and and uh, and we're about done quickly here on this point. There is peace, so, so use it. When Paul says, "Let the peace of Christ rule." Now catch this, it's not a suggestion. He, he's not just making a grand suggestion. Hey, if if you if you want to do it, it's okay. Uh, it's kind of optional. You might try it if 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 you feel kind of led to do it. It's not a suggestion. One day this week I was sitting at a stop sign. I was going to make a right hand turn. Uh, and while I sat there, there was a car coming from my left down the road and uh I was waiting for him and I was waiting patiently Rita this one time I was waiting there patiently and and as he came you've been there before it looked like he was slowing down and 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 so I looked a little closer but I didn't see a light blinking on the right side of his car right under it and but but I didn't want to pull out cuz maybe he wasn't you know I don't see as well as I used to so maybe I'm misjudging that and and and, and it was an older car so maybe the light wasn't uh, wasn't real bright and as it got closer and closer, uh, it, it sunk in. Yeah, this guy is slowing down and he's going to turn. And, and I stayed there just to make sure. And as he turned, it was an older gentleman. Now now I realize that. How, how long can I still say an older gentleman and not be including myself? But, uh, but it was an older guy, someone older than me. And, uh, and as he turned, he kind of smiled at me and I smiled back and kind of did a little wave and as I pulled out with my smile still on my face, I said, use your blinker. <laughs> it's not a suggestion. So it's so a little service uh, announcement here, public service uh, announcement. Guys, that little that little lever on your, your steering wheel at that, you, you push it down to turn right up to turn left and it really helps people like me who usually are sitting impatiently at stop signs. It's not a suggestion. Uh, Paul, Paul isn't making a suggestion. The 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 Greek would, would makes that clear that it is a uh, not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a command. Let the peace. Let the peace of Christ. It, it's there. It's available to us. That's. That's how Jesus was described. That's that's what he gives us through his Holy Spirit. It's one of the things that we can put on through the Holy Spirit. He offers us peace. Now we need to invite that peace into our life. Whether it's with each other or in our own hearts or with understanding it's with God, we need to let that referee in our hearts. I'm going to put this challenge out there and then I'll, I'll finish here. So, so this summer when you go to one of your kids' ball games or summer league basketball games or a soccer match and there's a close play at first and the umpire says you're out and you're sure that your kid was safe or the referee blows a whistle and he points his hand at your kid and calls a foul on him or, or you're at a soccer match and the, the, the referee blows the whistle and calls off sides. Is that a soccer thing? Okay, good. I don't know soccer, but the umpire calls offsides on your kid. Do this. Think about Jesus. Think about Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ referee in your life. They've been married over 50 years and they were one of these couples that, that you always saw together. They, they did everything together. They're one of those couples. There's some like that that, you, you you never talked about one or the other. It was just always both of them together. Their names were kind of tied together, like it literally had been for over fifty years of marriage. So so when you talked about them, you didn't talk about Bob and you didn't talk about Terry. It was always Bob and Terry. Earlier this week, I stood in front of Terry. Uh, I was visiting with her, and Bob was there, but he was behind us, laying in a casket. And I I said what you you're supposed to say when you're in that situation. I said, Terry, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss. And and she, with a genuine now, now it wasn't forced. It wasn't. It wasn't. Hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to act. She, she, with a genuine smile on her face, said, "Oh, he's so much better off. He's with the Lord now." I, I said a couple other platitudes that. That I thought might, might give her some peace. And then she said, you know what, Tim, just last week we were having a conversation. Bob had been sick for quite a while, had a lot of health issues. And he said, just last week we were having a conversation and I asked him, I said, Bob, are you sure? Are you sure that you're going to heaven? And she said, he looked at her and said, Oh, Terry, I am, I am confident. What, what I witnessed there at Rep Funeral Home was the peace of Christ refereed. The peace of Christ standing between Terry and her pain, between Terry and her grief. I was seeing the peace of Christ referee in her life. There is peace. So use it. Father, we thank you. That one of the fruits that you give us, one of the realities of knowing you and having your spirit in our hearts is peace. We, we oftentimes fight against it. We oftentimes struggle. But Father, your peace is real. And your peace wants to take over our life and referee every time we run into a conflict with a, a brother or sister in Christ or even a co-worker or a spouse. Your, your, your spirit wants to referee when we have doubts about ourself. And certainly wants to referee when we wonder if God's paying attention and if God loves us. Father, we thank you that your peace is there. Your peace is there to stand between us and any doubts or discouragements or heartache or problem. Lord, help us seek your peace this week in Jesus' name. Amen.